away we go. It's your favorite hour of the week. It's the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. My name is Pete Sweeney, and I'm joined by the player, Sean Barber, and the blog father, Barber Shop, whatever you want to call him, Joel Foreman. <laughs> What's going on, boys? Not much. Not much. I'm, it's, it's, it's nothing with really, Oh, whenever I hear somebody else being called by my name, it makes me smile a little bit. So that's the way. If you want, if you want to get me in a good mood, just call somebody else by my nickname when I'm around, and it, I don't know for some reason it gets me a little bit jovial. You know what I'm noticing? Whether it be the Chiefs or now the Royals, you certainly have the most fan spirit on the Arid Pride Podcast. If you, Easily, if you're listening and you're not seeing us on Facebook Live right now, Sean Barber came in full. Royals garb up to the winter hat, it looks like. Winter hat. I got my Royal socks on. I got my baby blue uh, Slam Jordans on. Uh, just went and purchased me a nice new, I think uh, I can't, I think they call dunks. I got my Jordan dunks. I got me a nice hat for the season. A nice that's, a, little, that's a retro style hat. Yeah, you like it a lot. I like that hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a favorite seller right there. Barbershop. 162 games. How many games are the Royals win this year? Whoa, one six. That, I didn't even know that's how many they played. <laughs> You're right. I'm gonna give them. Um, I'm gonna give them 88. 88. Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> 88. I'll, always relating it back to the Chiefs. <laughs> I'll say uh, 75. Dang, 75. Isn't that still pretty optimistic? Aren't they even slated below that? I know that's not right. I think they'll be around 65, 70. Uh, from what I've heard, I mean, I'm not a big baseball guy. I don't, I don't, you know, know the details of this. So don't kill me, but from what I've heard, not going to be the best season in Kansas City for baseball. Well, I mean, what's the? Why is it the lack of optimism? Like, what's going on? Like, did we lose? Because that jersey you're wearing, that guy's now making 150 million dollars in California, in San Diego. Oh, <laughs> can't take the Kansas City oh, cold. Man. I didn't, I didn't know about all the offseason moves, man. I come in eternally optimistic every year. I think that you know the, the gang's all back. I'm, I'm wrong, huh? Imagine if you did that with the Chiefs, all the changes this year. <laughs> There's a lot going on. You just went into football hibernation. Well, we'll get into some of those moves. It is the owners' meetings right now down in Orlando. Andy Reid had the coaches' breakfast uh, this past week. We have a couple nuggets from Andy Reid, and we'll get into that. But first, we're going to get into some bigger news in the NFL, and that's we got some new rules happening in the NFL. A new targeting rule was approved the NFL approved the broadening of the helmet hit rule that will penalize players who lead with the crown of their helmets to initiate contact against an opponent on any play. And offending players will be penalized 15 yards and may be disqualified depending on the severity of the hit. How are we feeling about this new addition? I think it's going to be a week that we all freak out, and then next week we completely forget about all these rules. They already had some version of the crown of the helmet rule in place uh, several years ago that we all freaked out about and then forgot about. Um, I think it just comes down to how they're actually going to call these things. I don't think the game of football is like fundamentally changing here, even though you may feel that it is. So I, I just think the referees, like they're they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to tell. A lot of analysts out there are saying this could really change the game. How are you feeling about it when you see this? I mean, I see it as far as the targeting rule, man. It's, it's too too much. Uh, too much. This is a lack of true hardcore. Just let me know what to do, what not to do. Um, it's going to be leaving way too much uh, judgmental, you know, um, people are going to be able to kind of put their own feel on it. Each ref's going to be a little bit different, which is probably in every rule in the NFL now. Everybody is, uh, everything is just depending on how you see it. But I think defensively, there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to hesitate. I, uh, I actually think it's going to be more injuries because you're going to have guys on defense not playing fast. We're going to be hesitating way too much, worrying about all these different rules. So it's interesting to me to see from a defense side of ball whether um, at some point in my lifetime they just get rid of all these adjustments, go back to how it was in, like, 1990 and go back to just playing football and saying, all right, you're playing at your own risk. Let's go play hard-nosed, clotheslining and all. Let's go. Do you do you remember, like, when you played? Do you, do you remember any hits where, like, you did what they're talking about here, where you, where you dropped your head like a, like a damn battering ram and – Hit someone. I mean, the, the sad thing about it is that the, the one clear instance of it is the Ryan Shazier hit. Right. And with that being seen is that that's, you know, that's that's very I mean, you see the consequences of that it, it, it's the defender that's hurting himself. Um, I don't really think it needs to be a true rule penalizing defenders from being aggressive when they're putting themselves at injury risk. I mean, the injury itself is, is what should keep you from doing that. Right. You know, we've seen a lot of problems with head injuries and after football concussions and things like that affects 
players' lives after the game. But you being a former player, and I know different former players will different opinions on this, but when you see changes like this, going back to even training camp where it used to be two a days, used to have pads all the time. Now there's a rule, uh, you know, giving a penalty for targeting something like that, something that wasn't even thought of when you were mm-hmm. playing. Do you look at these changes and are you happy to see that? Or are you like, okay, maybe these guys are a little bit more soft. I mean, I, I think I've said it like five years. This is not the football I played. This is the, the, the current, the current football that you're seeing on Sundays is not the same football I played um, 1998 to 2007. It's a whole different with all these rules. Everybody's playing slower. You got to be more careful. You got to be worried. You only have a certain uh, two foot window to hit an offensive player. He's not, a, he's a, he's a, a defenseless receiver until he actually possesses the ball and turns around and makes a move. Like, I like, like who who can play that way? Like I, I can't play defense in the in the current. And I, and I take my hats off to the guys that are playing now, the the Berries and the, and the Houston's and everybody on the Chiefs that are playing now. Um, but I, I I have no place in the current football the way it is now. Like I have no place in, in playing that kind of game. Remains to be seen what happens with the targeting rule. I believe there'll be more clarity as the offseason goes along. And listen, this is the right place for analysis of these rules. Between us, we have 10 years of NFL experience. So that's, that's, that's a good thing. We, <laughs> that's what we have to offer. There's also a new catch rule. The new rule is defining a catch. Hallelujah. Control of the ball, two feet down or another body part, and a football move such as a third step, reaching or extending to the line to gain or the ability to perform such an act. Meaning, if a player is now reaching for the goal line, and the ball jars a little bit loose. He doesn't have to keep to the ground, and I think this is a a huge addition to the game. Well, we'll we'll just be arguing about the catch rule for the rest of our lives. Uh, I don't think this is going to fix much. There's still going to be gray areas, uh, replays, and the quality of uh, the cameras are too good. You see every blade of grass; like it's just not going to be perfect, and we're just going to have to come to terms with that. But we're definitely going to be getting angry and arguing about a game over the catch rule this year for sure. I had my notes that if, if perfection is the rule, we'll never get it. it uh, we are imperfect by, I mean, the, the nature of everything in life is, is, is a, a slant on perfection, right? It, 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 once you can start to grasp and understand that the, the, the thought of anything being perfect, you know, a perfect call game, a perfect played game, all these things are impossible. So two hands catch the ball, possess the ball, get two feet in bounds, that's a catch. Anything other than that shouldn't be. And I think that's the way it was for many of years. And then they tried to super detail and put so many extra words in it. Now it's become uh, uh, loopholes. How did it all ha- Like, is it the Calvin Johnson catch way back when? Is that how this all I got started? So. That touchdown catch. That's like the only one. That's the earliest one I can think of. And Des, since the, then, the Des Bryant one was a big deal. That was a big deal because I've decided a playoff game. But, man, it just seems like we... This became like a thing. You almost wish that the definition were, would it be a catch at your backyard barbecue? <laughs> because everyone really knows when you see it, okay, he caught the ball. Okay, maybe he didn't. Yes. Two feet in bounds, good. I think you should embrace the imperfection, so to speak, uh, and maybe rely a little less on replay and just say, like, hey, it's going to be John what Gruden over says. Here. Did you hear yeah, John exactly, Gruden yesterday? Exactly bring him, yeah, yeah, I did. He had he had a lot of really good things to say about fullbacks and tight ends. But I just like, like you know, some some consistency, I guess, is what I would say. And, you know, just say that it is the, the referee's live call is going to decide it. And that's just like what we're going with. You know, that's frankly, that'd be better than what we got now. I think instant replay shouldn't let, they should take slow motion out of it. So, yeah, when, when there's a flag thrown, you let the officials look at it like a like 10 times in real speed. They can look at it 10 times. And then after that, the person in New York, whoever's making it, but let's put somebody in Supreme Court. Let's put somebody in D. Like whoever needs to make the final decision, yeah. take away the frame by frame by frame because that's not that's not how it's played. It's not frame by frame. You, you get you get way too many nuances in it by looking at it. But that that's slow motion, um, and that's not the way the game's played. Just play it ten times, look at it, and then make a decision and roll with it. And let's go. Be consistent in the way they they're calling it, and then. I kind of like that for all replay. I can tell by the conversation already that nothing has been solved. Nothing. Nothing. So let's go on to the Chiefs' moves of this game. We don't even know how to play. The Chiefs signed running back Damian Williams uh, in the last week via Therese uh, Paler of the Kansas City Star. Andy Reid had this to say. You can see an explosive runner. You see somebody that can catch, both when flexed out uh, and out of the backfield. You see a very good special teams player. He's got a shoulder injury, so we've got to get that healed up. He's expected to be ready, I believe, by Chiefs training camp. Is this just a new C.J. Spiller? 
Um, I mean, he's younger, so I think he could actually contribute a little bit. And if he can beat out Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West, he'll play. He'll get he'll get touches. Um, I don't think that's impossible. Uh, Spencer Ware's coming back injured too. So is Damian Williams. So is the number two you think then wide open? I think so. I mean, Spencer Ware's got a year left on his deal. Like we'd be, you know, Spencer Ware wasn't so established in the NFL that like he is injured for a year. He comes. He back was and getting he's there, and that's what. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you know, I think you got to be realistic about a player having an injury and being out for a year. Like you don't know what he's going to be when you come back. So keep on adding more talent. Chiefs have a lot of those with Chris Conley and Anthony Thomas. Uh, Sean, what's your take on Williams? One of my top three rules as a GM is you never count on a player coming back off an injury to be anything. So if, as long as he's an extra piece, he's a, he's a, he's an extra, extra cog, extra piece of the puzzle when it comes to special teams. Um, as long as we're not relying on him as far as to to be the, the the number two running back to actually spell hunt, I'm I'm on board with it. But if we if we're expecting this guy to come into the fold and be our number two receiver, the guy who's coming in to uh, to give Hunt a little break and stuff like that, I'm not. I, I think you have to be a healthy guy. I'm still good with Chandrick West being there as our number two, and maybe this guy he uh, he fights out the number three position with uh with where West played some key snaps last year especially like the passing downs and with Mahomes this year I don't think they're going to be passing it less like I think that that's going to be a you know an important role and Sharkandrick West when he does have the ball in a little bit of open field he is he's sneaky shifty yeah he did have that one touchdown where three or four guys were in front of him and he was able to get around I remember it was like six to eight yards I don't remember exactly which game but Underrated shiftiness, I think, in Shark Anderson. Yeah, man. Yeah, Skittles, man. Embrace the rainbow. He's, he's no Demetrius Harris in the open field, but. <laughs> oh, Demetrius football. Can't wait to have him back. <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord. Other moves. Chiefs also had run stopping, nose tackle, Xavier Williams. Benny Logan's on his way out. Note about Williams, he says went to Grandview High School. Uh, interesting. He's a Kansas City guy. But the most interesting part about this deal is the fact that. He's only been a penetrator as opposed to two-gap. Sean, you can get him a little bit more of the details of this since he's been in college, which maybe could be a shift in the Chiefs' defense as far as aggression goes. What do you think? Penetrators on the defensive line, I love it. I hate two-gap defensive linemen. I hate people to get caught at the line of scrimmage because as a linebacker, I really don't know if you're sold on the B-gap or the A-gap. You're, you're, holding, you're trying to hold two gaps where you're making me hesitate as a linebacker. Take your gap, penetrate, get in the backfield, take away backside cuts, and then let me as a linebacker go play fast. But with Williams coming in and with him having only that experience, isn't that a sign that the Chiefs are going to let this D-line go a little bit? I think they scouted the guy and know he's a, he's a dominant defensive lineman. He's, he's a guy who plays on the other side of the ball, and that's, like, that's what you want. You want guys that don't want to be at the line of scrimmage. I want guys that are playing on the offensive side of the ball Every snap, whether it's two gap, one gap, penetrating, whatever way you want to call it, I want guys that are, are making that line of scrimmage move back into the backfield. Uh, Chiefs are look look to be getting more aggressive on defense. That's when Bob Sutton was most successful is when they had an aggressive D. They're trying to get back to that. Bob Sutton gets a lot of hate for the last year, maybe a little bit of the year before. But before that, he was doing a good job with this defense. So you hope the Chiefs can get back to that. Dustin Colquitt, other news, he wants to play for another six to nine years. He's got a three-year deal with the Chiefs. Said he wants to play in Kansas City as long as George Brett did, which is 20 years. He's not slowing down. Do you want to get back on the field and maybe and maybe try to get in there? Did, did you see guys? Dustin Colquitt's 81-yard punt? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, the, in the Broncos game? In the Broncos game. 81-yard yeah. punt. Any, any punter that can unleash an 81-yard punt, guy, he has like, yeah, he has a decade left in him. And sad note, Dustin Colquitt, a.k.a. my brother from another mother. You know, we, we're part of the big family kind of brigade. We, we both drive around in big transits with Tim yeah. Passioner. Didn't realize you yeah, guys Yeah, it's like related. a club. Oh. Like a cl- car club for transits. <laughs> Joe, you're only four or five kids away <laughs> yeah. from getting to join. Four or five. It's not a gray area. I've only got one kid. <laughs> join the club, man. Um, uh, I wouldn't put it against Colquitt to play until he's 45. No, like, I don't. I 100% punter, would believe that. Punters can. Too. Yeah. You've seen punters go in well into their 40s. This isn't like the quarterback position other than Tom Brady where you, you're done at the, you know, in your late 30s. This is, a, this is a possibility, and he he maybe could play in Kansas City longer than George Brett because he did take under market value to stay with the Chiefs. Obviously, he's happy with his family here. He's happy being a legacy Chiefs guy. His, his father was with the Steelers for years and years, and right. he said that mattered a lot to him, so Dustin Colquitt on his way back to Kansas City. And the last thing, 
some wide receivers are visiting the Chiefs. Kendall, Kendall Wright on the 22nd visited the Chiefs. They're not done. Is Veach ever going to be done at yeah. the wide receivers of this team? I'm sure at this point, like I assume that they're just keeping tabs on guys in case somebody gets hurt or, or uh, whatever. I think they're, they're largely done with a lot of their big stuff. So To me, it just said a little bit about what Veach may think maybe when it comes to Chris Conley's injury. Is he a little bit worried that maybe Conley, who now is really a role player with, you, with these two big wide receivers in this offense, is he going to be ready to fill that number three type of role? I definitely, I definitely believe so. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, you, you can go into the draft, man. I want to draft offense and defense alignment. I want to draft edge rushers and corners. Every other position, man, I want to get as a free agent. Like, it's just it's too hard of a transition. Even the quarterbacks, it's too hard of uh, uh, trying to project guys going from the college level to the pro level. And every position on the field is too tough, except for in the trenches, getting on that edge, and then being able to mirror a wide receiver. Those are four positions that I that I try to draft. Everything else is free agent. Yeah, I can I can I can buy that. Offensive line, um I'm I w- selling it. I would I would just get in free agency because <laughs> always the optimist. And only guys that are like thirty years old because they don't, apparently don't know how to play offensive line anywhere anymore. Well, there you go. Those are the Chiefs and NFL moves and news this week. When we come back, we'll get into what Andy Reid said in Orlando at the coaches' breakfast. A lot of good nuggets from Andy Reid. We'll get to that in a second. Stay with us. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast, Pete Sweeney with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman. And this week was the owners' meetings in Orlando. We already talked about the rules that came out of the NFL that will be changing for this coming season. But as part of the owners' meetings, there's a thing called the Coach's Breakfast. Andy Reid was wearing an electric blue Hawaiian shirt, sits down with all the media, and he'll, he'll get it not only from the Chiefs media but also from Philadelphia because he spent so many years there now in Chicago because of Matt Nagy. People are going to want to know what he thinks about Matt Nagy. Washington now with Alex. Absolutely. So there, there's there's a lot there that Andy Reid has to talk about, and that will only happen and grow as your coaching tree grows. And, and Andy Reid doesn't seem to be stopping uh, anytime soon in that realm. But there was some Chiefs news that came out. First things first, Sean, I'll turn to you right here. Chiefs are sticking with the 3-4 defense. I think that's a good thing. Always. Um, the, the more consistency you have year after year after year, let players uh, really take, take that defense to heart. Um, like, you know, get submerged in whatever style you're going to do. The, the whole multifaceted, multi-front, it's good as a trick on every blue moon, but you got to hang your hat on something. And so I was saying, we're going to be a 3-4 defense. We're going to do multiple fronts out of that 3-4, but we're going to consistently draft and acquire people, players that fit into that 3-4 defense to bring as much pressure with that front four and be able to cover guys, stop the run. Defense is simple. Yeah, I'm I'm down to three four. I don't even know if they have four defensive linemen on the roster right now, uh, to be honest. Um, but like Sean said, like every time you ask a coach these days, like are you three four four three? They all just say we're multiple. We do everything, yeah. and and that's true. The Chiefs have, two, you know, we call them a three four, but they have two down linemen the vast majority of time. Where's that third guy? Like, so I think it's just uh, you know kind of one of those like confusing things that average fans don't know. So you just say it's a three, four, which I'm fine with. And we talked at the beginning of the show about how the game is changing. And it's been changing since Sean left it and still changing year by year. You know, nowadays you're in nickel dime sets. They're almost your base sets now, just because of how many times, you know, offenses are putting three and four receivers out there. So it, things change. And, and even if you're three, four, doesn't necessarily mean you'll play in the three, four base all game long. So yeah, it's a good look, Bob Sutton. That's his game. That's who the Chiefs are sticking with, whether you like it or not. So we're sticking with the three, four and defense. The three, four works better when you get a badass pass rusher coming off the edge. So if Houston has a big season, that three, four is going to look awesome. Hashtag badass. <laughs> Sean McVay, Rams head coach. Really upset about losing Sammy Watkins. This will be music to the ears of Chiefs fans. A tweet from the ESPN LA Rams beat writer. Sean McVay still speaks lovingly about Sammy Watkins. His numbers didn't jump off the page, but McVay valued his separation skills and what that created for his offense. It's obvious why he would seem giddy about the potential of Odell Beckham Jr. Beckham Jr. rumored to maybe be on the trading block, which is insane because he's one of the best receivers 
in the game. Again, there's a lot of off the field issues. So Rams might be interested because they lost a guy who the Chiefs now have. Yeah. And I feel like that never, those teams never work out. Sean, you remember uh, Jason Whitlock brought this up that uh, adding Sue to the Rams and all these big pieces felt like Chester McLaughlin to the Chiefs in 98, where they thought we, we thought they were going 16 and 0 and they went like seven and nine instead. So like they, in the 2011 Eagles, that dream team too. It's a cliche that you hear so often now, but the Super Bowl truly is not won in March. And that's something to keep in mind when you see a dream team, quote unquote, like the L.A. Rams are building. And even in some of these Chiefs moves, just because they're hot in paper doesn't necessarily mean Sammy Watkins is going to have a great career or great season. But at least in this particular case, it seems like the signs are there. Definitely. I was even part of a team in Washington, my first team. Um, we acquired Deion Sanders, Bruce Smith, yeah. Mark Carrier. A couple other guys, and it was like on paper, this team is gonna like you saying go six. It's no way they're gonna lose a game, and I think we started out that season zero and five. Like I think was that like oh one or something. Uh, I, I think it was, it was like two thousand. I think Marty was Marty's there? year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Rose was the defense court. I mean, we went out and got all these guys, and it was like this is gonna be a you know this is going. We put Daryl Green on the bench because we had Champ Bailey and Deion Sanders. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you know, putting these other guys on the bench. Marco Coleman goes to the bench. We got Bruce Smith and. It just didn't work. We did. We didn't gel together on the field. And people don't forget on defense, man. It's such that brotherhood on offense. You can go make plays. You can if you got somebody like you know Cheetah who can just run past everybody, or you got a, the big bad Hunt who can just make everybody miss. On offense, that's one thing. But on defense, man, eleven guys they they play as one. We I think it's didn't. a big misconception because in the minds of fans, people think that if a player was one thing. The previous season, he'll necessarily be that this season. Steve Nelson, for example, he, you know, he had an okay year last year. It wasn't anything to necessarily write home about, but that, I mean, he's still a growing player. He could come back a completely different cornerback. And the Chiefs coaches and the personnel men, they see that, you know, more than we do. Eric Murray, another guy, just because of defense. And I see, I've seen the AP comments. I'm sure you have too, Joel. Uh, just people complaining about the defense. We don't even know what the defense is yet. Yeah, no, we we have no idea. Um, it uh, you know it obviously sh- uh, struggled last season, um, but we can see some of the reasons for that, some of the age. Um, so I think just on paper, it seems like they're going to be uh, a little bit better next year. But you're you're right, we have no idea. Like Justin Houston could have a great year or could have a bad year, and that's going to make like all the difference in the world right there on the defense. Right, and Seth has gone over his film and you know put out the review, and he said Justin Houston had probably a better year than you might think. And I, I would love him to get to that game record, Justin Houston. I'd happen to think that that's over with. But if he can just be a disruptive force, I think it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, and he does get plenty of attention. Um, and if you watch him, like Seth does this on like like if you watch Houston play by play, like he's winning a lot and causing a lot of problems, even if he's not like uh, you know getting the sacks or whatever. So he's he's always active in the one area you know in his game. Game that we don't, uh, you know, probably appreciate enough is just the run defense, which is so noticeable compared to the guys on the other side. Speaking of this new defense, Kendall Fuller, the cornerback, probably is going to be on that left side, was a huge part of the Alex Smith trade. Andy Reid and Orlando saying that was a big part of the decision. More on Fuller from Reed. He's got tremendous upside. I think he's just tapping into that. He developed, you could argue, into the best inside defender, best pass defender in the league. Now he has an opportunity to step outside and do that also, just kind of adding that to his repertoire. How excited are you for Fuller? Uh, he has the right mindset. And not to be a uh, not to be quoting uh, Veach when they call about mindset, but Fuller is a... He's a championship player. He, he's a guy who expects his, his talents and his treasures and his abilities to show every snap on the field. To me, when I watch him, man, he dominated the slot. He might have been the, one of the three best slot defenders in the NFL last year at covering the slot receiver. And that was something we struggled against. Um, we had, you know, good, good pressure on the outside, but when we had to put Philip Gaines or whoever try to find somebody to cover somebody in the slot, man, we just, it was like an automatic first down unless they dropped the ball. So, Having him come in and, and, and seeing he can push his abilities to be a starting corners is going to be a, a testament to his own growth and development as a player. But um, he has the tools. He has all the tools and all the skills to be a, 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 a number one corner. And that's what he's going to have to be for our team. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, down with you on that one, Sean. I trust your uh, uh, skills watching the tape a little bit better than me. But I do remember last year getting burned repeatedly on the inside. Uh, you know, you mentioned Philip Gaines. He's visiting Buffalo, so he won't be back. But, yeah, I think this is definitely going to be an upgrade. Uh, and Andy Reid mentioned him playing on the outside. I think, like, opposing offenses 
you know, put two receivers on the field like 5% of the time. Now it's always three. So he'll be on the inside all game, I'm sure. If you listen to this podcast religiously or follow me religiously, you know I, I'm originally a New Yorker. My dad's a big Giants fan, but he's kind of adopted the Chiefs in the AFC West. Whenever Terrence Mitchell, Big Pete, Big Pete, whenever Terrence Mitchell would get burned last year, he goes, oh, there's Toast Mitchell in a text <laughs> message to me. So... Uh, I'm sure he's happy to see Terrence Mitchell go along. Does he use emojis yet? It's got to be like the toast. No, emoji. my mother. My mother probably overuses emojis. My dad kind of steers clear of the emoji. He does. He does like the bit emojis though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is he's like, got his own bit emoji. The big cartoons. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Andy Reid likes Chad Henney's veteran leadership. I thought that was fairly obvious. They wanted a veteran who knew his role to come in and mentor Patrick Mahomes, and, th- and there wasn't any confusion. Like No one wants Chad Henney to play a game. We hope Chad Henney never plays a game, and I think that's perfect because he understands his role. He's mentored Blake Bortles, who, I mean, I know there's different opinions out you know, with Blake Bortles, but this is a team that got to the AFC title game, so okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you could have given me a half dozen different veteran guys, veteran quarterbacks I, wouldn't have been, I, I would have been okay with. Um, I like the idea of having a veteran there. Um, you know, I think Mahomes is, is going to be in a good spot, but, uh, yeah, I, I've got no problem with it. I saw, I saw the deal. It's a two year deal. Looks like it's got guarantees in a year or two. So he'll, he'll be here for two years at least. I mean, on a personal level, I would say it, I mean, I put all my chips into, Patty, Patty Cake, make a shake. So behind him, I'm com- I'm comfortable with getting Kaepernick or getting some of these other high high, high skill level, low uh, uh, political, low personal value. Um, give me Johnny Football. I I would take any of them as my number two quarterback and just be like, listen, if something happens to Patty Cake, I need a guy who can come in and really just shake up the yeah. other team. Not not a a say. I mean, yeah, like I I don't see Chad Henney winning us any ball games, and so that you know for me. I'm, uh, no, I think that's fair, but I think it's also an, like an acknowledgement, like we're totally screwed if Mahomes goes down anyway. Um, but I agree with you that uh, Cap. Uh, so are a lot of teams, though. Of I mean, Foles was an aberration, you know, an outlier. It, that if you, your backup is playing, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. Right. Like, that just generally is how it is, and, and unless you have extra money, which the Chiefs don't, to pay one of these fancy backups like a Chase Daniel or you know, Nick Foles now, especially that he was the Super Bowl MVP. You're going to be stuck with that. And so cap Johnny football. I don't know about Johnny football cap though, for sure. Hey, we'll get I, into I that. Like that starting experience. We'll get into that a little bit later. Therese Paler also noted that Reed called Mike Kafka, Greg Lewis, and Al Harris, really sharp up and coming assistant coaches. Meaning those are probably the guys to watch in the future for coordinator positions. As the train keeps on moving here, a quote from Reed on the LDT Jersey change. This will probably, you know, interest most fans that are, are looking to buy that, Duvernay, Tardif, MD, Jersey. Listen cl- carefully. I don't think they can do that anyway. I'm not big on the other additions on the Jersey, but he'll be all right. And I go back to Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes originally had the uh, Roman numerals on his Jersey and that quickly disappeared with really no explanation. I just don't like think read. You enjoy- notice that? I didn't even notice that. Yeah. The chief's Jersey had the two on it originally. Oh, really? And it was taking off because of that. And I think it's because Reed wants everyone to be on the same uniform playing field. He wants everyone to sort of match it. How could you possibly have an opinion on that? It's a, it's a really, <laughs> no, he, he, he does. I get it. But like, man, that's such a minor thing. I mean, I, obviously for years, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't even know I had my name on my jersey. Like I could care less about what's on the back of it. Uh, I think one time actually my name was spelled wrong in my jersey. And I was like, who, like at the end of the day, my man is trying to make tackles. I ain't How about, do you spell Barber wrong? Uh, it's, you know, we had a Barber and Baber. Oh, oh, Chris Baber or whatever. Or Bober? No. Uh, oh, Baber. Yeah, so we had a Bober, Baber, and Barber. Yeah. All in my experience team. with the Chiefs, I once walked in and we were doing media day or something, and they had spelled Danny Sorensen wrong. S-O-N oh, instead of the yeah. E-N. And I said, guys, come on. Yeah. Get it together. <laughs> here we go. This is your, this is your job here. Okay. Uh, but I think it's a little petty. If he wants MD and the NFL allows it, I think it would be one of the cooler things to happen in Kansas City for a while, so maybe you can get over it, I hope. Indeed. But then I, I think – you open up a can of worms yeah. because if he does it, then he's got to allow Mahomes maybe if he wants to yeah. do it and the you, juniors and seniors. Then you got guys showing their personality and we just wouldn't want that. Well, he he, he hates me. He hates me. <laughs> yeah, he hates me. He hates me. The XFL is coming back. 20 so years not? ago, that was like one of the draws of the XFL was those names. And here we are 20 years later, like, can't you just add MB, Roger Goodell? <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to put heat please, on Dad, there. Please, yeah. Last thing, probably the most important topic from Orlando. If you've seen the photos... If you haven't seen the photos, you have to. Matt Patricia, Detroit Lions head coach, came from New England, wearing Hawaiian-type of shirts at the Orlando meetings. Does he have a shot at the title? 
Nah, I think his shirt came as like a Tari J brand. Uh, Andy Reid is straight uh, Tommy Bahama. I mean, he's a designer guy. It's all Andy Reid when it comes to the to the surf shop. Yeah, he doesn't have the cachet of a big red. He he doesn't have twenty years of Hawaiian shirts in there either. No, Andy Reid's been doing it for a while. It's cool that Andy Reid now has – he's like a trendsetter. You know, he started a fashion statement, and now there's a new head coach, and he says, okay, this is going to be an NFC version of this. I'm pretty sure we – so we cover the Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt beat, and I'm pretty sure like, that Someone's got it. the 15 and 16 uh, owners meetings, I think he wore the same Hawaiian shirt. I'm going to go back and look this up after this. But that's the level of knowledge we have here at Arrowhead Pride about Andy Breach. you got to have those stats. He shops at the Tommy Bahama on the plaza. Information you won't find anywhere else. (laughs) When we come back, Travis Kelsey gave an interesting interview to CBS Sports, and we read and talk about your tweets. Don't go anywhere. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Back on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast, Pete Sweeney here with Joel Thorman, Sean Barber. Travis Kelsey recently did an interesting interview with CBS Sports, and he was wearing a captain's outfit as part of an advertising thing for Old Spice. So I guess thank you, Old Spice, because he wouldn't be doing interviews like that without. He was wearing like the old school suit, the like Old Spice. Tuxedo. Yeah. Captain's suit. He looked kind of ridiculous, but he had a serious interview in CBS Sports. And this was his quote about no longer playing with Alex Smith. It is still very awkward. I've only known Alex Smith to be the guy in charge. Every offseason, I know I have that security blanket of his passion for the game and trying to up his game every single year to be who is the guy as a brother, as a teammate, and not having that is a little awkward. At the same time, Pat Mahomes is ready. His mentality, who he is as a person, is on and off the field, is just as good for what Alex has been for the city of Kansas City. It's going to be awesome seeing how this uh, year's team meshes, how we come together, and seeing what we can do. So Alex is leaving, but it seems like Kelsey has the confidence in the kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think he said everything right there. Uh, it, you know, it is going to be awkward because Alex was so obviously, you know, the leader for five years. Like, yeah, it's definitely going to be different until Mahomes comes in and like, you know, wins a big game, you know, has a fourth quarter comeback and kind of like, I feel like there's going to be like a moment where it feels like it's Mahomes team, um, but we're not there yet. So. I'm there. De- Deja vu Denver last year. I saw it. I saw him make the throws. I saw him come back in the fourth to win us the game. So I'm already. That throw with the defender hanging all over him. I'll buy that. Yeah. But that was the moment. I'm, I'm good. I'm... Wilma Holmes, and I, I know you don't have a ton of information. Pedicate. Be the best quarterback since Lent. Oh, Lord. That's big shoes to fill. Can he just be good? Can he? Can he? Can he just be the? Uh, no, the not with this. Not he, with, no, he needs to be the savior. Yeah, if he's merely good, we're in trouble. All right. So from I was a wide receiver in high school, so that's a many moons ago. Everybody can relate to this. The worst thing to be as a as a receiver, tight end, or wide receiver, is to run a beautiful route and the ball not get thrown. So as much as our receivers love Alex Smith, and we as an organization love Alex Smith. Late in ball games last year, there was too many times where he just didn't release the damn ball. Just let it go. I didn't care if it got turned. I just wanted him to let it go, let it fly, let our guys make a play. The defensive guys, when it's man coverage, we ain't worried about intercepting the ball. We're trying to just make sure we close enough to make a tackle. Just let the ball go. Let these uber-athletic guys make plays on the ball. Score points, win games. I would, I would imagine that won't be a problem for Mahomes because he's going to put up 35 in the first half, and they Love won't it. be behind. Let this be a note <laughs> to current Chiefs. We heard a note about tackling last week. Now Alex Smith leaving open, guys. When you leave the team, that's when the negative comments come out from Sean Barber. Yeah, I still got my Alex Smith jersey. I still got my 22 jersey. I mean, I got a bunch of them, man. On what Sammy Watkins does, uh, Travis Kelsey essentially said he's going to really open things up for himself. I think that's pretty obvious. The more playmakers that you have, the more available and open that Travis Kelsey is going to be. And he said, you know, Big Red, when he has these three receiving options, plus Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware in the backfield, that's when Big Red really shines. And I agree. I mean, 
We've seen some creative play calling when he didn't have the personnel. Now he has a lot of chess pieces. It's going to be interesting to see the type of playbook they come out with. Yeah, there's there's absolutely going to be um, some tweaks. That's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I really want to see them embrace some of the Texas Tech stuff. You know, Andy Reid talked about that, um, too. Some of the you know ways that they went back and looked at Alex's college tape and tried to do some of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there's going to be tweaks on there. And, man, like first play of the game, first game, it's going to go deep to Tyreek or Watkins. Sean, you're in your prime, and you look across, you see Sammy, Tyreek, and Travis. What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, we got to get somebody to stop these jokers. <laughs> we, we're, hoping, we're hoping for an injury. I'm hoping for a pull hamstring. I'm hoping for, uh, I'm hoping for three, three tight end sets. I'm, I'm like Rhino. I might be trying to call off some signals myself to try to get them to change personnel. Like this ain't, this personnel ain't fair. You need- that, that personnel is not right. Defensively, we need to call a timeout. Talk to the refs. Say, hey, man, we need to call these. Uh, let's rewrite the record books. You can't have that much speed and a talent on one side of the ball at any point. So you're game. taking this, these Chiefs, this Chiefs offense over your 2000 Washington secondary with Dion and Champ Bailey. Ooh. Who you got? Oh, Lord. There was a middle linebacker on that team who was surveying the middle of the field who was a real problem for the yeah, offenses. I, you know, I, I considered myself a safety playing linebacker. So it was, it was a lot of secondary guys with coverage skills on, on that defense. But. I mean, I just, I, it's hard for me to see how you can call a defense with with the fastest guy in the league, one of the most athletic receivers on the league. Um, whoever they put in the third wide out is tremendous, whether you got, you know, Robinson's speed or if Conley come back with his athletic ability. And then the, you know, most athletic tight end in the league. And, and then, then still have to deal with a very elusive running back who can run, catch, and do it all. Not to mention a quarterback with a golden arm. Like it's way too many superlatives being thrown around at all these offensive guys to think that even on a bad day they won't score thirty-five. No, there's uh, we're 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 going to be hyped about this offense for sure, and I think you can like hype up the offense, and you were just doing it here before you even like mentioned that you have the NFL rushing king too in the back, yeah. you know, in, in the backfield. That seems to be like an afterthought. Not that. Andy's going to be running the ball anymore, but he'll catch it out of the backfield. And if he doesn't run the ball, Eric Bieniemy is going to be in that ear right next to him. As far as the hardest defender Travis Kelsey ever faced, I thought he had an interesting answer. He said that Eric Berry in training camp, he doesn't go against better safety all year, which is actually an interesting point because you know Eric Berry is going to bring it every practice. And if that's your weighted bat, you know, he's got the baseball stuff on, and then he goes into the regular season, it's got to be easier from jump you know, to, to get open, things like that. But he said when he does actually play other teams, interesting answer. He mentioned Jaleel Adai and then Chris Harris Jr. on the Denver Broncos. Surprised about his, the way he answered this, Sean? Well, he started off with the Captain Morgan's uh, captain shirt, and then we go on when he wants to be a historian and talk about Andy Reid and his uh, play calling ability when, when he has three-headed monsters. And now when talking about the defense, he's, he's given credit to the uh, interdivision uh, opponents. What I see is the evolution of Kelsey becoming a true pro. He's learning how to answer the questions. He's learning how to get out of his own way sometimes, get out of his own feelings and emotions about being uh, on TV, dating whoever, marrying who, want to be a dancer. Want No, just be a football player. Be the best you can be on the field. Give the right – like I love all these answers. I think that is three solid answered questions by a guy who is now developing into a, into a pro's pro, and I like it. Yeah, he can he can dance if he's scoring touchdowns. I, I kind of <laughs> like the dances, to be honest with you, Sean. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, like, I just don't think there's the type of player exists that should cover Kelsey. You know, like the type of defender. You know, even going up against Eric Berry, he has an advantage. Um, you know, just like such a size advantage. This is the year, I think, Kelsey, too, just because it seems like Gronk is on a little bit of a decline as Kelsey still continues to build his game. I think this is the year... You turn into Kansas City Chiefs, and once again, they have the definite best tight end in the league. And it's been a lot of years since Tony G that you could say that, but it, it continues that nice tradition of a really good tight end in Kansas City. Going back to TG, the, the reason Tony Gonzalez was such a great tight end, do you know what his favorite route was? Tight end option. You can't cover a tight end option because it's like three or four different routes he can run depending on how you're covering them. And him and the quarterback, once they get on the same page, he consistently can throw it open. If you don't get pressure on the quarterback or if you don't hold them, there's no way to stop the tight end option route. And you got a guy with the, the, the talent of a Kelsey, and you implement that into the, to the offense, it's, it's, it's unstoppable. And we talk about the arm all the time. The coaching staff has couldn't say more uh, about the way Patrick Mahomes prepares. 
So he'll be able to handle that type of thing where Kelsey may do one of four different types of things in a given play. Yeah, and I think, you know, Andy's obviously going to set him up uh, perfectly. Like, anytime I think of, like, like uh, Kelsey's athleticism or what we're talking about, I just think of that screen pass in Denver where, he, you know, he caught up the line of scrimmage and went 80 freaking yards. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> Other people don't do that. And, you you know, you were comparing him to Gronk. Like, Kelsey's been the best tight end for a couple of years now, I think. Right, and, and it's more, you know, it's a national media type of thing where Gronk... He's healthy. For the, for, that's, like, the biggest part. And I think, Gronk, you know, plays. he'll get more coverage in, in one play. I remember, you know, if you're naming plays, was Phil Philadelphia with that, you know, shovel pass where he just monstered his way yeah, into the end yeah. zone and he's only getting better. And so that's the thing that kind of sticks with me. I mean, he's 27. Do you think by 30 he's going down? So he's shockingly, you think about it, he's got probably only a couple of years left of his prime, you know? Because he's probably not in, getting better after 30. I mean, I, I can't listen to this. I can't. I can't. He's, I know, he's just, still getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, how crazy it is to like, think, like, how short these careers are. Anybody who knows me, you know, I love fantasy. Like I, sometimes I avoid spending time with my kids because I'm doing the fantasy draft and, and whatever guy who has six kids, that's, that's precious time. <laughs> and I do like seven fantasy is your seventh kid. Fantasy the is my seventh child. Kid. I'm telling you going into the 2018 season, my, my plan is to draft chiefs players in the first four or five rounds. Like I'm going hunt. Then I'm going Hill, Then I'm going Kelsey. Then I'm going, uh, um, Sammy Watkins. And I'm coming back in this fifth, sixth round and getting my man, Patty Jack. And, <laughs> and, and I'm going to, I'm going to dominate people. Every week, except for the week that the Chiefs want to buy. So I'm, I'm going to go like 11-1, and one, win a championship, and I'm going to have a trophy. I'm going to sit right here. I'm telling you, next February, I'm putting a trophy right here, Fantasy League Championship, Kansas City Insurance Group. I do a Fantasy League with them guys. I'm going to win it. It's going to be based off of just all Chiefs offensive superlatives. Coming at you, barbershop. I'm excited. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I have a little bit of a hot take. I think the Chiefs are going to be a very good offense, but I don't think the – Players are going to be good in fantasy because there still is only one ball. I, think, I got all of them. I think you're going to see one or two guys a game have great games. Then there might be a week where Travis Kelsey's held to two catches. You know what I mean? Yeah, because when was the last time a team had three players go for a thousand yards? Yeah, that's that's I mean, a like, long time. like receiving. Like because if Tyreek didn't have a thousand yards, we called a down year. Same with Watkins. Same with Kelsey. So something's going to give there. Right, and you know if Andy gets a little pass happy, Kareem Hunt might have those that eight snap game. You know what I mean? Oh, you know that's happening all the time. He's got the personnel now where the I, fans are behind him about like not I'm not trying it. to hate. I'm not trying to hate. All right, let's read some tweets. First one from Jahawkins, at Jahawkins87. Johnny Manziel fits Veach's recent moves. He's 25, former first-round pick. Any serious chance we get him as our third-string quarterback, Reed has shown he can resurrect a quarterback's career. My take on this very quickly is I think Reed would look forward to the challenge of trying to make sure Johnny Manziel gets his like life back, and I think that would be a perfect match if the talent is there and they feel like he's worth the headache. And this is a guy, Andy Reed, who has not uh, run away from the media in the past when it comes to quarterbacks. It's not with Michael Vick. I just don't see the upside. Um, you got your backup in town for two more years, um, and and you don't really develop a number three. You know they don't get any reps, so I just don't see where he they could they could do anything with him. They could develop him. I like Johnny and Cap. Either one coming in as your third challenging. Cap uh, runs laps around Johnny football. They are not <laughs> in the same category. Politically, they are. Politically, both of them causes. Uh, uh, a stress to your media relations department. And I'm considering with the, them being the third quarterback on the roster in a small market, the, be it, it's the only market I care about here in Kansas City, but still small compared to the New Yorks and the Floridas and the, uh, the LAs. I think that a player like that can survive here in Kansas City and flourish and develop. And when time is needed and time is called, can go win your ball game. I don't want to go down the cap rabbit hole, but I just don't think they're going to, trade Peters and then bring in Kaepernick. I just don't think the ownership's going to do that. Johnny Manziel is a different story. I think Kansas City would be the perfect place for him to resurrect his career because, listen, it's clear cut. You're not the starting quarterback. You can develop here. You can get your life back straight. Andy Reid has been complimented numerous times based upon how he is with players, you know, and cares about them as people, you know, off the field. He was at Jeremy Macklin's wedding. Uh, it remains to be seen, but, but again, as far as fit, I think this is a fit for him. Will it happen? Probably not. Next tweet, Casey Fanatic, at Casey Fanatic 95. How will the new targeting rule affect the NFL? I feel like if you look at any play from last year, you'll find a player lowering their head to make contact. Kareem Hunt does this on pretty much every play. That's the other way to look at it. Kareem Hunt 
you know, if he makes contact, you know, intentionally with his head, that should be a penalty. Yeah, they like I was saying before, they had a rule like that a few years ago that didn't really change anything. So I think it's just all about how they actually call it. I don't think it's going to change that much like we were talking about before. The rule itself sucks. The way that the referee is going to try to implement it is going to suck. It's all about it's going to just it's gonna suck. It stinks. Rare negative moment <laughs> for the great Sean Barber. <sighs> Let's move on before we, we freak yeah, out here. It's referees. This next tweet from a uh, friend of the show, evil Seth Kaiser, fake MN Chiefs fan. At what position will the Chiefs draft a relevant quarterback? Will they draft one at all? See, this is where I I wonder about it. I don't think they waste a draft pick on it, but they're going to bring in some some no name guy for the for the third quarterback. I'm sure. So I don't think they draft someone, but they're 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 going to bring somebody else in. You 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 just you can't develop a number three. You know, there's like, can you name any of the number threes that we've had besides Joel Stave, just because he had such a terrific name and great hair, Tyler Bray. Yeah, Tyler Bray. There you go. There you go. And was he drafted? Nope. No. Undrafted free agent. Aaron, so they'll, they'll look at some Aaron Murray. Yep. Seamus Levin True. at Seamus 7. This is for Sean Barber. How hard is it to try to try and switch sides that you rush from? Wondering if it's possible Ford goes to left and Houston to right on the outside linebacking front. Well, I think I replied to this on um, my Twitter. So. Yeah, you're not supposed to reply. You got to say you got to come at the podcast. You blew it. You blew that. He can, he can engage with the people all he wants. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you in disbelief. Like yeah. I thought, I thought I was actually graduating. You have. I took a big baby step. Like you say, you say no. You say I'll answer this question, but tomorrow on the show, and you send him the Facebook live. Oh, I can't. What was my answer? Does it, do we remember what my answer was? I think it has something to do with like it, it sounds easy, but it's not really that easy to do. I think that good players uh, have a dominant side, and they come um, statistically. It would say, hey, you know, uh, Kelsey's. Uh, I mean, Houston is a better right-sided rusher than left, so you try to put him on the right side. I, I thought Ford was best on the left, but I could be wrong. I mean, yeah, Ford was best on when Houston was was out on Houston's side, right? And so if Houston, I mean, since he pops around, could. Houston doesn't really. But I, don't, I don't know if you want to use Houston out of his natural. I was going to say the argument is Houston's a better player. Put him in his most natural spot, which right. is the left side. So you 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 do that. This so. is D Ford's last chance. It's a contract year. He's got to play well to maybe even stay relevant. You should get ten plus sacks this year. With a, no question about it. Either, either way, both has its positive and negatives, right? You want to make your defender as comfortable as possible, but you don't want to make them predictable. So um, from an offense standpoint, if I know that Houston's on one side. Uh, Force on the other. I can always shift my 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 coverage right. and my protection to to where Houston's going to be, knowing he's going to be there. Whereas before the snap, if they are back and forth, left and right, then that's a, just another uh, series of checks that the the quarterback has to go through, make his job that much harder. Right. So I think you always um, you always want those guys to be able to go either side, know each, know the responsibility to go both ways. But I think I finished up the text by saying the really great ones have two dominant sides so you go both sides yeah, yeah you go both ways all right last question of the week we only got time for one more sean mitchum at jayhawks scm i guess he's having a good week who is the number one left guard i guess i'd go with witzman rock chalk jayhawk <laughs> Witzman or Parker Hanger would be nice if you're, you're, you're dressed <laughs> you're dressed for both right no now. number one guard i'm going with uh graham i don't know I, I mean, anger, anger, right? Yeah. Could and, be in the mix. And I think that's a sneaky candidate to be drafted pretty high this year as an interior lineman, center, or, uh, um, you know, a guard that can play both. Like replacing uh, Zach Fulton, somebody who could eventually step into Mitch Morse's spot. I think that's a possibility. Don't forget, I mean, we did note it on OurHeadPride.com from Sports Illustrated. Peter King revealed that the Chiefs were calling about Ryan Jensen, who ended up going to the Buccaneers as a center. So inside. Uh, offensive line might be the direction yeah. they go in. Uh, last last year, Mitch Morse's contract too. Like, I doubt you're gonna do your. Um, you know, you're not gonna tag him or anything. Unless he has a phenomenal year. When, when you when even you, then, you're gonna be you're gonna tag him at an offensive tackle level. When you take this year's draftable players and you put them on a draft board, there's about four or five offensive linemen to sneak into the first round. But because you have to up the value of all the quarterbacks because there's five teams that are going to be quarterback thirsty and right. they're going to have to do that. It pushes everybody down. So you're going to get high quality guards and tackles and centers that actually fall back to the second round that are actually first round quality guys. I mean, to me, if one of those guys are available, if you're the Chiefs in the second round, if you got to trade up to get a guy you really want to, um, instead of waiting late in the second round but go up early, do that. Get a, get a constant guy, a swing guard, we call him a swing lineman right. that can play many positions. Coach Andy Reid, he loves slime. 
So that's all the time we have, Sean. You want to tell the people where you'll be tomorrow? Oh, I'll be at Union Station. Come out to Union Station, 7 a.m. to about 9.30. Tomorrow is Greater Kansas City Day. We'll be selling these commemorative flags. If you're on Facebook Live, you'll see one right here. It's the 50th anniversary of the Royals. So um, come make a donation. All the, all the proceeds are going to charity. Um, it'll be cold. I'll be out there for a few hours. Uh, come on by. Sign my dress, dress warm. Dress warm. I'll be I'll be having my I don't know what I'm gonna have on. Come see. Come see what I'll have Get on. Get a picture of Sean, he'll tweet it. That's I might and actually I might actually give to, out I have some uh You do need to start tweeting more. I have some uh, I have a, I have a lot of uh opening day tickets right here. So I might, I might be giving some away. Wow. Uh, no, no, Wait till the end to tell the people don't, this. Don't what be, about me? What about your podcast? Don't partner? be scanning stuff through the Facebook Live, so I gotta <laughs> keep it moving so y'all can't take a picture and scan them, but I got a uh, I got a little handful of uh, tickets to opening day, so come join us. Like I said, come buy a flag, and, and maybe you'll get a couple couple tickets to the cool. game. From us, go Royals. This is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast as part of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Stay tuned on Friday. Kent, another AP draft show, a really creative episode coming at you on this Friday. If you if you can, make sure you go online and rate and review us both on iTunes and Google Play for Sean Barber and the blog father, Joel Thorman. My name is Pete Sweeney. Have a great week, guys. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 1-31-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>